Welcome back to Beat the Good with Kate, the show that inspires each of us to see how we have the power to make a difference all around us. Each episode highlights an individual doing good in the world while following their passions, good for their own souls and for others. I get so excited about sharing each and every episode of Be The Good With You, and I hope you enjoy these people and stories. If you're new here, welcome, and if you are returning, thank you so much for your support. I'm so glad you found Be The Good With Kate and would love to hear from you. If you're finding value in these episodes, I invite you to share with someone who could also use this dose of good news, or tag me on social with your favorite quote from the episode. Every share, subscriber, review, and comment helps me to share these guests' wonderful work to more people. Thank you for your help in this. Now, on to this week's episode. Let's spread a little more goodness in the world. Welcome back to Be the Good with Kate. I am absolutely thrilled to introduce you to Wendy, Wendy Swart Grossman. She has a background in U.S. and South African presidential politics. She's a faculty member at Boston University teaching creative innovation and co-founder of Creative Reframe. Wendy is a connector, a community organizer, a thought partner, logistical wizard, visionary advocate, and all-around get-stuff-done person. She's a published author of Behind the Wheel, a mother's journal of a year on the road, is working on publishing her second book, and you can also find her writings on WordPress, which will be linked in the show notes. Wendy holds a bachelor's degree in economics and political science from St. Olaf College and a master's in urban and environmental public policy from Tufts University. And I just have to say, in the more that I looked into Wendy and learned more about her, the more I wanted to know. And I just couldn't get enough. I went down a rabbit hole on her WordPress site. Her writing just pulls you in. So I can't wait to hear more. Anyway, Wendy, thanks so much for being here. Okay, I, thank you so much for finding me and for giving me um, a platform and, and really just give me an opportunity to have a chat with you. I am excited for this. Yes. Oh, absolutely. My pleasure. And just for the listeners, um, our connection came through Remy, who will have just been released a couple of weeks prior to this mm-hmm. episode. So you will have been fresh off of hearing about the Azores there. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. That- so, Wendy, please tell everybody a bit more about who you are and what you do in your own words. Yeah, well, so I'm kind of a peripatetic kind of person. I've moved around a ton in my life. And I think through that, I have really committed myself to building community because I really didn't have it when I was growing. I always had to recreate it wherever it was that I was living. So I've always been a community builder from, you know, the time I was a kid to knocking on doors, looking for friends to moving to the UK to moving to London to to where moving to Atlanta, Georgia, moving to San Francisco, moving here to Boston. Um, And so I've really dedicated myself to pulling people and groups together as well as for a greater purpose. Um, social impact. I I kind of actually think of it as like a triangle, things that I'm really committed to. Um, The three pillars of of what I care about. And one is community. The second is social impact. And the third is creativity. I see creativity as a great opportunity to pull people together, to actually have an impact, to push forward our hopefully shared um, agenda item of world peace. (laughs) So... And now, how did you realize that this could be a career path? You know, obviously you are someone who finds the way to be the good in all aspects of your life. And it was so apparent in everything I read about you too. It's not just your work. It's, it's 
it's a part of your being that's so apparent. <laughs> but for the work aspect of it, how did you know maybe going to college or after college that, oh, I'm going to be a professor, I'm going to be in the creative field? Like, how'd you find that? Okay, I wish I could tell you it was all plotted out, but it never is, man. You know, it's it really it life is just so funny. I just think it's fascinating, just the pivots in our lives and how we then at the you know, I'm I'm six years old now, and I look back on these different pivots in my life and I start to then tell myself the story. Oh, well, of course that made sense. And then I thought of it. It's like, no, we're all just like going through life by the seat of our pants, trying to figure it out, right? And so, I mean, really my first job out of college um, was I, I went to college in Minnesota in a small little town up on a up on Manitou Heights so that we were closer to God. It was a Norwegian Lutheran college, um, but I was hired on my college campus to come be a community organizer with the PERGs, the Public Interest Research Groups, which is Ralph Nader. It's all about um, consumer activism and environmental activism. And I actually had really no idea what I was signing up for when I got a job. I thought, oh, cool. You know, it pays, you know, it, pay, it pays enough money to live on. It gets, I get um, health insurance and it gives me an opportunity to get out of that small town in Northfield, Minnesota and have an adventure. And so I, they, they basically, they had um, college campuses across the country. And I said, they asked me where I wanted to go. And I said, Boston, Massachusetts. Why? I'm not too sure. It was a place I'd never been to before. I just thought, ooh, this sounds cool. And I came here and I was a student organizer um, pushing. And it's when you work for small, scrappy organizations that actually don't have a lot of um, people power, they give everybody a lot of autonomy and a lot of opportunity to to grow so like really within three months i was leading press conferences on the new studies that were coming out and i'm like how did i had no idea how this even you know I, I really what this study was about i just i was doing my talking points but i learned so much and and i did it just for a year but that was like my really an, am I, an opening to this whole world of advocacy. And that even though I was 22 years old, I could have a voice and I was looking down, I was working with college students and I was helping them to actually, um, to galvanize their voices as well while I was figuring it out myself. So immediately as I was learning something, I was then teaching it to somebody behind me and figuring out how we could build these movements. And then from there, I realized that there was, I wanted to do something more than that though. I wanted to get out of the pergs. It was, um, I wanted to have even a, a larger impact. And, but I didn't really know it at the time. Um, and so I did what everybody does. I got a job as a waitress. And that's where I met. Molly Lipsky. Molly Lipsky was a customer who would come in every Tuesday with her husband, Sal, for the two for one special at Matt Garrett's. And they would, I know, I knew so much about Molly. She would love, she would always ask to sit in my section. She um, really was, I asked her a lot of questions because I realized that the more that I got to know my customers, Quite frankly, the bigger the tip, right? That's what I was about. But then, but she was lovely. And I was living in Boston with no family or friends around and I was making friends, but you know, just so cultivating that relationship. And then there was one day I was talking to the busboy in our shared language, which was French. He was from Haiti. And all of a sudden, Molly looked at me differently and she said, Wow, Wendy, why do you speak French? I said, Well, I took, you know, three semesters of it when I was in college. And she looked at, and then she said, You went to college. And I said, Yes, I went to college. I studied economics and political science. And she said, well, then why are you a waitress? 
like, well, it's not, I, this was not the end goal, but I'm doing this. To, I need to pay rent. And she said, well, what is it that you really want to do? And I had the answer. I said, I want to use my, my voice to help advocate on behalf of people who don't have voices on the statewide level. And she said, this is what you need to do. I am a volunteer for Michael Dukakis, who's running for re-election for governor in Massachusetts. He's going to win. They're just gearing up the campaign. Go and be the best volunteer you possibly can be. They will be looking to their volunteer pool for staff members. And then you will be hired if you let them know, if you're good, and if you let them know that's what you want to do. And so I went down and I started volunteering. I was the best volunteer they had. They offered me the position as the a receptionist after like four months. And I was so offended. I'm like, a receptionist? Come on, I've had a year of experience. I've got a you know undergraduate degree. And they said, but my boss at the time said, or to be my boss said, don't worry, take the job anyway. Everybody will just remember how good you did at the job, not what the job was. So I took the job and I very quickly saw that the volunteer coordinator wasn't very good at his job and that I was quietly doing his job behind his back. I was being welcoming. I was and helping people understand the importance of what the envelopes were that they were stuffing and really creating a community among the volunteer pool. The campaign director saw what was happening. They fired him. They put me in the position. So now I was the statewide volunteer coordinator for the gubernatorial campaign. The governor then won re-election. At the age of 23, I was sitting in the corner office of the state house in the governor's office for a private meeting with the governor. And he was saying, so Wendy, you are a fabulous employee. We would love to, we'd be honored to have you in any position in state government. And I ended up working for him for a couple of years doing refugee and immigrant policy work. And then he decides to run for, for, for president. And I was called back to the presidential campaign. And so that then led me to a whole career in presidential politics. So I worked that I, I was running the national national campaign headquarters for the volunteers. I ended up organizing congressional districts around the country that then we didn't, we as my husband says, <laughs> who I met on the campaign, <laughs> we came in second <laughs> and um, and we met each other. And then we ended up, um, then that ended up parlaying into the, under the, for the White House um, for the Clinton administration. In 1992, I ended up working, um, uh, doing scheduling, White House Office of Scheduling in Advance. But that, but this is all thanks to Molly Lipsky, who I was, you know, waiting tables with. So you never know who yeah. your, your, how your life is going to change. I love that. And there's the, definitely a theme in with a lot of my guests, or maybe even I could say all of my guests, if I were to really dive into it of no one went to college and said, this is what I'm going to do for the next 50 years. And I have it laid out and it happened that way. Nobody. And oh, that, would be, so that, would, that would be so boring, Kate. That would be <laughs> yeah. so boring. And I have to say like that after having like showstopper jobs like that, it's, it's an adrenaline high as well. I mean, I go to, I go to part there. I was, you know, 26 years old going to parties. And I remember at a party with um, at a bunch of MBA students at the University of Minnesota. And they're all like, oh, you know, what do you do? And then somebody asked me what I did. And I'm like, well, I organized congressional districts around the country for the presidential candidates. And that, like, it's like, next thing you know, I've got a whole like group of people around me saying, what? You know, how did this happen? What's that like? And anyway, so it's been, and, and then you start paying attention to what else you could do that's really filling you up. And it's helping to create the change you know, uh, that you want to see in the world and that you want to be in the world, you know, it's like, but, but it really is. It's, um, 
that out those taking those opportunities. Yes. And you were so open to talking to people. I mean, that's again, something just to really point out you were waiting tables and this customer, it's not like you were at a fancy networking event with college, you know, colleagues from college or whatever you were waiting tables. And this person happened to connect with you because you were warm and welcoming. And that led to this whole path. Well, exactly. And it's, it's so funny because I actually do a lot of um, in, in the classes I teach at Boston University um, to both graduate students and undergraduates, it's, a, it's called Creative Startups from Ideas to Impact. I take them through a whole semester of where do ideas come from? Um, how do you know if your idea sucks or not? You question, ding dong. You, you did a little, a little, little note on how do you know if your, if your idea sucks or not? Usually it does. <laughs> so, and don't get too attached. But a lot of the workshops that I do are on storytelling. With, for authentic connection. And it's like, I don't even like to use the word networking anymore because that doesn't, that's so transactional. And what you really want to get at is authenticity. And that comes from being curious, curiosity and generosity are two words that I use a lot in the work that I do. And then how did you get this course to be at Boston University? Did you offer it to them? Did they have it already and you took it on? This again is, is another serendipitous situation. Um, we lived, um, my husband and I and our two kids lived in London for six years. We came back to the US in the worst economy possible. And, I, and well, at that point, 2009. Mm-hmm. And um, we, instead of just buying a house and getting jobs, we bought a Winnebago Itasca Impulse 29 footer. And we lived in it for a year and homeschooled our kids. Um, in the national parks and public libraries, and also trying on different cities where we would want to live. And after looking at Austin, Texas, and Palo Alto, and San Francisco, and Seattle, Washington, and Minneapolis, we chose specifically to live in Boston, and in particular in Brookline, so that it's a very walkable city, the kids could go to the public schools. Um, And my son at that point was in second grade. And there's a little girl named Claire Gilliman, who came up to him and said, oh, you just moved here. I bet you don't have any friends. I'll be your friend. So Claire came over and, you know, met the hamster. Um, and then we, the following week, we've been, my, I, as a, I was raised Christian, my husband was raised Jewish. So of course we become Unitarian Universalists. We go to the Unitarian church in our community. Um, and the same little girl, Claire, is in, singing in the choir. We see her after class, after afterwards in the coffee hour, and she says, "Oh, Wendy, I bet you don't have any friends either. Why don't you come meet my mom?" I met Jen. Jen and I immediately hit it off, and she at that point was the um, worked at Boston University in the College of Fine Arts. She was the director of the Visual Arts program. We went out for a drink one night, and she's I she's one of these people who asks you the big questions. I just yeah. I love it, and she's really intense. She's like, you know, what do you really want to do? What what would be fun? What would make your heart sing? And I'm like, oh, I, I always had to be fun to teach. And then she's like, oh well, I work at BU, <laughs> and I can present a class. And she's I was also a graduate of the arts administration program. And they're at, they were asking her to propose a potential class. And so, and we, we thought, wouldn't it be fun to 
co-teach a class together with me with my activism and her with her art background, we proposed a class on the artist as activist. So we went to the director and he said, that's fascinating. But what's really interesting is this whole thing called cultural entrepreneurship. It's kind of popping up right now. Can you dive into this and see what you can come up with? So we came up, we proposed a class that was really all about helping the artists get the tools that they need to bring their ideas to market. Because so many artists just you know, they, they, they dig into their craft, but they don't understand the importance of, you know, business opportunities and business, um, business skills and how to actually market and how to price. And then um, the class was a huge hit. And we, so Jen and I, we, we went from being just a, a piloted during the summer to being part of the full-time curriculum. And at the same time, across all the colleges and universities, these ideas of the innovation entrepreneurship centers were starting to pop up. And there was something called Innovate at BU. This was in 2016 that was just starting to get its feet on the ground. And they caught wind of the work that we were doing because I'm kind of loud. And, <laughs> and we were making, getting a lot of splash. And I have no problem. I mean, I come also too from a PR marketing background. So it's like, I know how to sell my stuff. And so we're getting a lot of um, play. And then we were asked to um, submit to do a TED Talk. And for at BU, and so Jen and I put together a TED talk, and in the core, and the and during the teaching the class or teaching putting together the TED talk, we realized we also had a business here called Creative Reframe, but was based in the class. So the class then, because also the innovation entrepreneurship was getting off the ground, and because we were really teaching cultural entrepreneurship, the class has now morphed into creative startups from ideas to impact. And I'm now going to be teaching in the business school in the innovation and entrepreneurship minor, which is the fourth largest minor now at Boston University with the 35,000 students. It's really, so it's, it's fascinating. It's fascinating. Oh my gosh. I feel like I have a hundred questions, but I will just <laughs> go like, to the crux of one thing that just keeps going to my head is, well, first for the listeners, Wendy and I also realized we both have this arts administration background. That was my major at Butler. And I'm like, oh, I am sending this the minute it's released to my advisor from college. Right. She will love hearing about this <laughs> because I mean, arts administration, when I went to college, there were maybe five programs that I could find in the entire country. Yeah. that had it as an undergrad. And now there's all these other variations on it, like yes. what you're doing at BU. And to hear that this minor, it was called innovation. What was that? Innovation again? and entrepreneurship. And entrepreneurship is like one of the most popular minor. That's incredible. And it just really shows too, that people are lit up by this. They want to find right. their passion. Oh, absolutely. And this is, I mean, obviously since, and since the, the COVID and, and even before then, there's been this whole drumbeat about how do you actually have the skills um, for uh, what skills you actually need for the jobs of the future. And it really comes down and it does, it, whether you are an innovator or an entrepreneur, actually start a business or not, you still have need those skills, whether you are it's either an entrepreneur or an intrapreneur, someone who works at an existing company, but yet you have that creative mindset and that entrepreneurial innovative way of looking at things. So you're always thinking about the next thing. And that, at that intersection of what the world needs with what you're good at, with what your purpose is and what actually pays and where that all comes together in that Venn diagram. I love it so much. And I just love too that we're not in the world where you need to have that at age 22. 
like you have found so many different segments of your passions already and you're still going and going and going. And <laughs> so I, this is where I normally ask about good news moments along the way, but I feel like you have filled this conversation with good news moments, but are there any people that you've worked with or students you've worked with that have really stood out um, that you'd like to share about? So a beautiful story I have is about Anes Andrade and Eduardo Carpendero. Both of them were um, graduate students getting their doctorates in performance piano. And um, Ines is from the town of Bendada in Portugal, up in the mountains close to the Spanish border. And it's a town that needs a lot of economic development. It had been actually known for its music, but similar to a lot of small towns, um, they had a big brain drain, there were no jobs, so a lot of people ended up in Lisbon. So she is, when she was growing up, she would always go back to Bendada because her grandparents had a house there and a family home. And the EU puts a lot of money into culture. And they, when she was in graduate school at Boston University, um, she, she went home for Christmas and the EU had put money and built at a beautiful concert, a new concert hall in the little town of Bendada, a town of maybe a thousand people. And the people asked that she was asked to come give a Christmas concert, a, a, a piano performance. And she did. And it was beautiful. But all she could think about was this, this hall is not being used properly. It could be used every day. How can we use it? So she uh, signed up to take my class and she workshopped her idea for a music festival in her town of Bendada that not only would bring music into the town, but it would be an economic driver and tourism and help and also bring students into the town of Bendada to give them uh, intense music experience in the little village. And the next year, Eduardo took my class to help get it to the next, next level. And then in 2019, they invited me to come and to teach some workshops. They're now in their seventh year of the Bandana Music Festival. It's actually happening right now in, well, in July of 2023 in the little town of Bandata. You need to go. They had the most incredible concerts in the um, in different villages and in, in the hill communities all around Bandana, in old churches, in coliseums and castles. And it's all students and that come from around the world. And they're actually now starting to play out um, having different events throughout the year as well. So that's just like, it doesn't get any better than that to oh actually God. help your students get the skills that they need so they can put into action the dreams that they see. And then to have them hire you. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a little too fabulous. Yeah. yeah. And I have a number of stories like that. I've actually have some great data on the number of students who've gone through my program and 40% of them have actually started their own ventures. Wow. And it's just, and, and, and that's what gives me hope. I'm always looking for hope and inspiration. And I, I'm so lucky to be able to work with such so many incredible students. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm here to say that, you know, it is not hell in a handbasket out there. The students at Boston University, and I also taught at Tufts University last year as well, um, they are ready. They're up for the challenge. They see the problems, you know, of the world on fire and they are getting the tools that they need and to get the skills that they need so that they can help combat these problems and they need our help. So. And this is why, like, I have this show. This is why I love yes. reading about the positive news stories because it's so important to have that reminder. 
because yes. uh, we hear plenty of the negative and yeah. we need to know what's going on, but there's so much more and there's so much goodness. There's so many forces for good. So love to hear that. And going beyond your work, I know that again, you're a force for good throughout your whole life. You mentioned <laughs> that you give your porch over to the music festival there at Brookline and you have a community home and there is a community porch swing and not porch swing, swing in your front yard. Please. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, it's so funny. One time I was out watering in my garden and we had an apartment building next to me and a guy had just moved in and yeah, I'm an early riser. So it's like 6am in the morning where I'll, I'm out there for watering and he's sitting out in the front of his of the apartment building and he looks over at me and he goes he said is that some kind of community center <laughs> like, no it's just my house you know but I've got my garden I've got a swing I've got a little library and if I can figure out how people having traveled around some having been lonely a lot mm -hmm. as a child growing up I know that there's so many, there's so much loneliness that are out, that it's out there. And if there's any way that I can be an inviter and a gatherer and help somebody else not feel so lonely. And, and it's like, great. You know, I love, there's nothing that makes me, my heart sing more than when I come walking around the corner onto my street. And there's a whole bundle of kids who I don't even know, hanging out on the swing, having a good time. But usually there's at least one or two kids who I do know. And, and they, and they, I walk up to the, the, to the swing and say hello to everybody. And one of the, Isabella will say, you know, oh, it's, you know, you have to know what the rules are of the swing. And one of them is, is if you see Wendy, you have to have a little chat. <laughs> How did that get started? Like you put up a swing, but how did you end up with the whole community coming by? Because, you know, it's, it's, it starts with the first of couple of kids. It's, it's because we live in a very urban area and it's, it's unusual to have a swing in your front yard. And, and because whenever I'm out there, I'm saying, come on, you're welcome to, whenever I see somebody, I say, and there's, you know, there's lots of little nurseries and stuff and people stop by to use the little library. And I make sure to know and what I do need to do is I just need to make a sign and say, this is a community swing, you know, that anybody's welcome to, to use it. And so anyway, so, and, and also when my kids were little, obvious where they were, they, they were, you know, it was, it was a, it was a magnet for wow. the, the neighborhood that we live in. So oh, and in this time too, of like, we don't always know our neighbors, people aren't yeah. as, you know, just on top of like always saying hi to your neighbors or okay. extending the hand. It's so great to hear stories like this, where you have people there all the time and you're just, yeah. you're embracing them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I feel like it's like when you have stuff, you should share it. <laughs> it's, like, it's it's a lot more fun that way, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. When they have to ask with your whole career and just life thus far, are there any mantras or sayings that you keep going back to? I think it's leading with intention. And, you know, taking, taking time, taking time and also paying, paying attention, you know, in, you know, intention brings attention, right? And if you, and, and vice versa, you know, it's like, if you actually start to pay attention, then it's like, okay, then what's really important to me? And this is a, you know, this, this is a short time that we are not dust in this world. And the, it's important to be paying attention to the time that we're not dust mm -hmm. and make the most of it and to, 
be the example for others that you wish that you had, quite frankly. And that leads absolutely perfectly into my next question. If someone comes to you and they say, I want to make a difference too, but I'm feeling overwhelmed. I don't know where to start. What advice would you give them? Start small. Starts, you know, it's like just do one little tiny thing. It's like you pick up a piece of trash, you know, or just look at, you know, when you're walking down the street. This actually, this is something that I like to do when, especially when I'm feeling sorry for myself. I don't know if you, like, I'm having a little pity party for myself. It's like, or feeling, you know, lonely or whatever. It's about a connection, one small connection. And when you walk past somebody and you're like, oh, that's a great pair of shoes, tell them that. Hey, great shoes. And it's like, or, 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 oh, I love your hat or just something. It's just, just a little tiny thing like that. Then all of a sudden the person will see you and you will make their day a hundred percent. You will. And it's like, it doesn't cost you anything. It's just a few words. And, and it fills up your tank. It, it, it's like, it's like, it's like nothing, right? It's like, okay, here's this. I love, I, you know, speaking. You know, I love your hair. I love your earrings. I'm looking at you right now on the Zoom screen. You're look, looking good there, Kate. <laughs> Why, thank you. <laughs> There's also now a lot of studies that are, are showing the benefit of those micro interactions too. I'm oh, absolutely. Sure you, you've seen them and they yeah. do, they give us those feel good hormones yeah. and chemicals through our system and to the other person as well. Yeah. And I think it, it really, I go, this goes back to when I was in graduate school, one of my, my, the, the big book that I was, that, that really kind of changed my life was Habits of the Heart, which talks mm. about the importance of community and happiness. And then of course, um, the, the book Bowling Alone, um, which is also, a, again, about the importance of, you know, community and how do we build those connections? And now there's just so much more that's out there on, you know, on happiness studies, but it's, yeah. a, it's about connection. It's about connection and community and not be getting so absorbed in yourself. So, oh, and you know what, speaking of books, one last question, tell us more about Behind the Wheel and and the book, because the, the title yeah. alone, I'm like, oh, I need to check that out. Yeah. 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 So this was started when we lived in the RV for a year. Um, and I just started blogging just because as a way, because I was kind of going insane living in the RV, you know, at 29 feet with, you know, my husband who didn't talk a lot, my 12 year old who was going through puberty and my seven year old. And, you know, I was perimenopausal. I mean, what the hell were we thinking? So anyway, so it was a way of kind of keeping me insane and just kind of just telling ridiculous stories. So really it's just, I am a storyteller. So that's really, it's just really, it's it's a journey of our life going from our house in London into a Winnebago. And, and then and then ultimately we actually stopped the, the RV trip early or else I was gonna kill somebody quite frankly. <laughs> um, so then at the at the end, I had all these these blogs and I, I, I basically, I strung, I strung the blogs together um, and my husband, who's a great champion of mine, I, I love being married to a cheerleader, um, really was encouraging me to go ahead and publish it, which was fun. And just going through that whole experience. And again, as I, I, I turned myself into a writer and I'm again, while having my kids watch me, and it's like, okay, yeah, this is what, this is what mom did in London. This is what mom's doing now. And it's like, they've seen all the pivots in my life. And it's like, yeah, you can be a writer too. This is what you just, you know, this is just start doing it. So, and it, again, it gave me an opportunity to gather a different community um, and to be able to tell my story and, um, and, and national public radio. I did, a, I put together a, 
um, a whole book tour. I, I, I'm happy to go to your book group, Kate. I'll, I travel. For a glass of white wine, I'll go anywhere. No. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, actually, speaking of white wine, the, the last of the WordPress entries that I got to read before I finally had to say, oh my gosh, I have to do some work, <laughs> was the one about when you give mom a night off. Oh, and yes. So I loved it. I mean, the listeners, you have to go check out Wendy's website and more about her. You'll <laughs> love reading more. Um, it was so cute. It's the give a mouse a muffin or cookie. What? what yeah, yes, 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 exactly. Yes. But yeah. for a mom little, having little a night to that. Yes, absolutely. Yes, yes. Wendy, speaking of where can people follow you? And this will also be in the show notes. Yeah, absolutely. It's at, we're at uh, creativereframe.com is our, is my website, my, for my, my partner and I, Jen Gilliman. And then my, um, for my work, my, creative writing. It's just absurd musings blog dot WordPress. Um, and yes, and obviously feel free to link into me, um, write me a note. So I know how you, how we know each other, write me a note on the creative reframe has a contact us spot as well. So I'm happy to follow up with any of your listeners. I love it. So. Oh, Wendy, I cannot thank you enough. And I sure hope that our paths cross again soon off camera too, because you are just a delight. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm inviting you right now. Come to Porch Fest. Porch Hi. Fest in Brookline. It's going to be September 30th, oh. 2023. We oh, live in the big purple house with the swing. Come on by. <laughs> Got to get to that swing. Wendy, thank you. Oh, you're so welcome, Kate. This has been a pleasure. <laughs> In taking classes over the years or observing workout videos, one major piece that is often missing, stressing safety and form. Additionally, group fitness classes are often marketed as being open to all levels, yet how often do instructors not give modifications nor progressions so that each participant truly can get what he or she needs out of the class? So that's why I created the 101 series, which take things back to basics with three separate courses, Bar 101, Pilates 101, and Hit 101, focusing on safety and efficiency so you can maximize your workouts, be confident when you step into a group fitness class or workout on your own, be strong in your execution of the most common exercises, and be proud of yourself for taking these huge steps forward on your health journey. Check it out at bebykate.com. The link is in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening to Be The Good with Kate Cherichello. Whether you're listening on YouTube or via podcast, it would mean the world if you liked, subscribed, and or left a review. You heard about the good? Now go out and be the good in your life this week. If you have stories of good news that need to be shared, please send me a message. Thanks again and have a great week.